you guys have your Bibles, please go with me now to the book of James. I like James. You know, James, he doesn't uh, hold any punches, does he? But today we're going to be looking at just one, one little verse that most of us have probably heard several times over the years and even read, but it's probably not a verse that you have really thought about and really meditated on for a long period of time. But hopefully today, after this message, it will become a regular source to your thought process, especially before you begin opening that thing in your head called the mouth. Mm. So go with me to James 5 and 12. And while you're looking for James 5, 12, let me remind you of James 1, 19 and 20, I believe it is. He says, above all, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So hopefully today you'll see what, what God desires from you. So find your place in James 5 and 12, and please stand for the reading of God's holy scriptures. Are you guys ready for a word this morning? Hallelujah. James begins 5 and 12 with two words. He says, above all. If you would this morning say above all. And looking into the Greek language, the Greek word that is used here is the word pro-pass. Like a professional pass in the Super Bowl. Pro-pass. And, and what that word simply means, if you look at it, it has many definitions, but I believe the one that most fits it closest is this. In front of all your decisions. Above all, in front of all your decisions, he says, brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Let us pray. Father, first of all, I just pray sleep and fall on my baby up here. Because she seems to be a little wiggly or just give her a little peace that passes all understanding. Father, we thank you for this service today, Lord. We know that, oh God, you have a word. And Lord, so we stand on your word and not on the word of man. We ask that you would speak through these lips of clay. We pray that the oracles of God will be spoken clearly today. And as I always pray, Lord, I just let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable upon your sight. Like David said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Lord, I know that I'm a man and I make mistakes. And sometimes it's hard to preach your words, especially when you're a man who makes mistakes. But I do know, God, that your grace is sufficient. And that your strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. So, Lord, I confess today that I'm a weak man, that I, I need your grace. So, Lord, just speak through me and hide your servant behind the cross that no flesh may boast before you. We praise you for what you're about to say and do in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people all said amen. And amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord Almighty. Now, in the original sermon that I prepared this week, the, the title, it, it fell in about the fifth or sixth page. So I said, well, I, I can't really wait that long, so I'm going to go ahead and give you the title of our sermon this morning. It may not ring the bell at first, but I can promise you as we go through this message today that, that it will grab you. You'll finally get hold of what God is saying. But, but our message is entitled this morning, A Witness of the third party. Everybody say a witness of the third party. 
Jesus says in the book of Matthew 12, 36 and 37, he said, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken for by your words you will be justified and by your words you shall be condemned. I wonder this morning how many men and women have stepped into the place called hell because of their words. Because of something they might have said, something they may have believed led them down the wrong direction. But our text says, above all, brothers, do not swear. Not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Just let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Now, first thing that probably pops into your mind this morning, and I know it does, is when you hear this last part, that, that we will be condemned if we do not. And I know you're thinking that the Scriptures teaches us that, that, that in Christ there is no condemnation. So, so what is this taking place? What's, what's happening here? I'm going to try to explain it to you the best way I can, but I want to show you something that's very interesting that can easily be overlooked, especially in your study time, because you see there's something in the original text that has been simply removed or simply deleted. And because this has been removed and deleted, we don't have a full understanding of what we're looking at. And so let, let's first go to Romans 8 and 1. And I'm going to read for you the, the NIV translation because this is the translation that I use 95% of the time. Sometimes I'll preach out of the King James, but most of the time I'm in the NIV. But the NIV says in Romans 8 and 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? And so what this means is that the very moment that you became a Christian, that basically condemnation no longer belongs to you, it has no place in your house. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And we know the price that was paid was the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But now I want to read the same verse this morning taken from the King James Version because in the King James Version you will see the part of the verse that has been removed for some reason. And since it has been removed, I'm going to highlight it. And I want to make sure it's brought to the table because most of us hadn't seen it and we need to look at it because I believe this is the key, a mysterious key that, that will help us in our lesson, but it's also, I believe, the key for the reason why you and I as Christians still sometimes feel condemned. Come on, amen, because I know if you're like me and you are a Christian, sometimes even though the Bible says in Christ there's no condemnation, I still sometimes feel condemned. And, and so I think we need to unlock this mystery. And this little key today is, is kind of like that that red wasp gets into your house, and you're thinking, how did he get in here? We're going to uncover this. Romans 8 and 1, Paul says it like this. Therefore, there is therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Here we go. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Oh, glory. And so basically, it all depends on if, that's the big word today, if. If you're walking according to the Spirit or you're walking according to the sinful nature. Now let me remind you what Paul said just a few verses later 
because it will help us to see more clearly what Paul is saying here. Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. He said, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. And those who live according, in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Listen, the mind of sinful man is death. The mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. And so if your mind is being led by the flesh, that, my friend, is, is where death is. That, that is where the spirit of condemnation dwells. Are you following me so far? And, and so in a nutshell, what this is teaching us today is saying this to us. As long as we're walking by the Spirit of God, our minds are upon the things of God, we will have no condemnation in our life whatsoever. Because at that point, we're walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit of God. We shut the door. We keep it shut by the strength of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me so far? But you see, the moment we decide, I did it yesterday, to act out in the flesh. When I read this this morning, I'm like, really? The moment we respond with the sinful nature, it's like we say, Mr. Condemnation, come on in. Welcome to my house. And I can promise you, Mr. Condemnation, he will continuously press at your door. He will be persistent and he will be relentlessly knocking at your door because he wants to be in. He wants you to respond the way you're not called to respond because once he gets his foot in the door, all of a sudden you find yourself being filled with condemnation that does not belong to you. But, but you see, it's not God's problem. He took care of it at the cross. But you see, the moment that you said yes to wrong, the moment you said, come on in. Am I making any sense this morning? And I want to be real clear because we need to understand that, that, that it's our responsibility as men and women of God to walk according to the Spirit because there's an other side. There's a dark side that desires to have you. And, and it's not in my text, but it just came to me through the Holy Spirit. But the Bible says that, that, that God told the man in the beginning that sin desires to have you. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Because the Bible teaches that those who are controlled by the sinful nature are led by that nature, and that nature will allow the enemy to come into your life and bring destruction, pain, and suffering. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 Paul tells us, in your anger, do not sin. Do not, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a... And so if he says, do not give the devil a foothold, guess what we can do? We can give him a foothold. And I, I don't know about you, but, but if, if he can get hold of your little toe, that's all he needs. Just give him a toenail. And if he can get in that leverage, he's like a pit bulldog. And he is relentless. Because he has one purpose. Y'all remember the purpose. 10 and 10 of John said he comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Man, I'm going to kill your joy. I'm going to destroy all your happiness. I'm going to have you walking around with your head bent down in condemnation that does not belong to you because you said yes to my way. See, when God tells us not to do something, he's not trying to teach us something that, 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 that I'm going to punish you. He's, what he's trying to say is, listen, don't do it because once you do it, you're giving the enemy something that I destroyed. So understand it's your choice. And when you give him the choice, 
you're dealing with something called vexation. Vexation is the, the state of being annoyed or even tormented by an unclean spirit. See, our world does not believe in spiritual warfare. They don't believe it because they can't see it. Just because you can't see it doesn't make it not real. And these spirits, these unclean devils, they have the purpose of vexing you, tormenting you. And they will wake you up at night, tormenting you where you can't even sleep at night. See, the reason that, that Christians can have sweet dreams and sweet sleep is because their conscience is clear. But the moment you step into the wrong side and you begin to act out in the flesh, you find that your sleep will be taken from you because you got a devil poking you all night. Am I making any sense this morning? And see, this, this happens because of this one reason. It's because the Spirit of God that lives inside of us is called the Spirit of Truth. Everybody said He's the Spirit of Truth. And that means He will never lie to you. He will always speak the truth to you. But it's the old flesh, the old nature that will always add and subtract to God's Word and will never walk according to it. John 16, verse 13 and 14. Jesus said, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truths. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears. He'll bring glory to me by taking from that which is mine and making it known to you. Think about it like this. It was through, through the spirit of truth the spirit of the truth of his word that you put your faith in that, that came inside of you like a seed and you became a new creation in Christ. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself in Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And so, through faith, we gave access for truth to come inside of us. Are you with me? Ephesians 1.13, Paul said, and you, were, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And so, the moment you believed and put your faith in God, He sealed you. That's why the devil cannot snatch us out of God's hand. Because we're sealed. In other words, a Christian cannot be possessed by a devil. It's God's property but a Christian can be tormented and vexed by a devil. He can't come inside your house unless you invite him in. Come on in. Am I making any sense so far? James says it like this, 118. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might become the first fruits of everything he created, new creations. 1 Peter 1 and 23, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living, enduring Word of God. And so, uh, by allowing bad seeds that you speak, you're planting in your own mind a tree that will produce bad fruit. See, you don't even have to have someone to do it for you. You can do it yourself. Then the moment you begin to speak negativity towards someone else or others, 
You're planting seeds. You can't see them, but they're real. You may not like how I dress today. Be careful what you say. The Bible said, don't touch my anointed. <laughs> I'll just throw that out there. But, but your mouth could be planting a harvest that you don't want to reap. My Bible says we are called to speak life. Everybody say, I got to speak life. That's why your tongue was given to you to speak life. God in the beginning said, let there be light, and there was light. Everything that God spoke was life. Everything that the enemy speaks is death. Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies. So, so when you speak and you lie about someone, you're, you're speaking the fruit of the enemy. You're also opening unclean doors into your beautiful home. A couple of weeks, we, we did a, a sermon on 1 John 2 and 6. Y'all remember this. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Y'all remember the, the, the word for must is, is the word moral obligation. When you confess to be a Christian, you have the moral obligation unto God not only to live as Christ lived, but to walk as He walked and to talk as Jesus talked. Jesus did not speak nothing but life until He cursed the fig tree. And the moment he cursed the fig tree, it was dead at the roots. And it died before it even knew it was dead. And at that point, you have to realize that the Bible says that God has given us power. There is life and there is death in the power of the... And so what I'm saying is that, that we have to get in the habit of speaking life and love over people. Every morning when I pray for my children, I speak life over them. And sometimes they're going to find themselves being blessed and they don't even know what they've done. But they don't realize that, that seeds have been tossed, planted for them to receive. I want to take my time with this. So if a man or a woman is in the habit of lying to others, then guess what? They will find themselves under the power of condemnation because of their words, because of their decisions. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's not God's will for you to suffer. You chose it because you said it. Are y'all listening to me? Now, let's just be as real as we can. I, can we be real right now? I know we can put on our church, church act and be fake, but let's just be real. Um, th this is the question. Have you ever noticed the very moment after you told that lie how a certain dark feeling comes over you? Is it just me? I know you're looking at my grandbaby. Pay attention to pastor. Have you ever felt that? You told a lie. You knew it was a lie. You spoke it, but the moment you spoke it, all of a sudden, you, you just feel it come over you. That, my friend, is the spirit of condemnation. And the moment you said a lie, it was not God's truth. It's the word of the devil. You spoke it, and because of it, he walked right on in. And you're feeling, oh, man, I wish I never said that. I wish I never thought that. That was his plan from the beginning. Are you listening? 
Understand, Paul says in Colossians 1, 13 and 14, that Christ, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son who, whom He loves, through whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. He's given us the power to overcome condemnation by doing this called, Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned. Come on. The, the moment you say, I'm sorry, I confess it. Guess what? You just blew him out of the house altogether because you have gotten an agreement in covenant with God's word that you are a sinner and that you need the grace of God. And the moment you said, I'm sorry, the moment he has to let go, it happens that quick. As quick as it is, you received him because of your life, as quick as he got to leave. Trying to follow the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Ephesians 6 and 12, King James, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Is that real or is it not real? It's very real. And I don't know where the spirit of condemnation is in this list, but he's in there. And there's many different departments always, they always say that there's, there's different levels for different devils in other words if the devil that's probably after me is not the same one after you if you're just starting out in other words as you move up in your walk with God the stronger you become the more powerful the enemies come against you different levels see, see Terry he's probably dealing with a lot more demons than, than someone who's just been saved last week. But no matter what level you get at, God is able to give you the grace to overcome it. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, 8 and 9 or 9 and 8, one of the two, that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Now here's a scary question. How far can this go? And honestly, you may not like this answer because it may go farther than what you really want to believe. Because I want to show you something that John warns us about in the book of Revelations. And he warns us about this, that, that the liars, all liars, will receive the same exact reward as the unbeliever. Everybody say, ooh, yeah. Let's look at that, Revelations 21 and 8. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murder, the sexual immoral, and those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars will have their place in the fire lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. So let's go back in time. I got to go back to 97. I want you to go back to that time. That, that, that time in your life when you said yes to Jesus and here's the question did you say yes and did your yes mean yes or did your yes say well I'll try for a little while and just see how it goes for me because he said let your yes be yes and you know no he said I'd rather you be hot or cold but because you're lukewarm somewhere in the middle I'm going to spew you out of my mouth and so your yes is yes I know in 97 God took me out of the street and when I said yes to Jesus I meant business with him I was serious about what I was saying and I'm saying to you today you better mean business with God because he ain't playing the game up here and he's trying to give us a message about how we need to keep our mouths shut and don't speak lies. Speak the truth. 
Truth ain't always pretty to some people because your wife's going to come to you. How does this dress make me look? I'd rather not comment. My wife always looks lovely, but just in case. <laughs> and so when you make a vow to God, and that's what you're doing when you said yes, you're making a covenant with Him, a vow. You need to let your yes be yes and your no, no. Because if you're not ready to walk with God, don't say yeah and don't. Am I making any sense? Ecclesiastes 5 and 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay in fulfilling it. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to vow than to make a vow and not fulfill it. That's Solomon, the man of wisdom. Now here's a, a verse that we, we hide behind. We, we, we kick it to the curb. We don't want to see it. But it's in there. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, no, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 9. He will punish those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will punish them with everlasting destruction and they'll be shut up from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. He's not asking a lot. All he is saying, listen, put your faith in me and follow me. And he knows you're going to make mistakes. Me and Brian, we practice, we made mistakes. It's okay. Because we're human. But don't tell God you will, but you don't. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Now, we finally get to the place where I came up with the title of our lesson today. Y'all remember what the title is? A witness of the third party. Y'all ready for this? Back in the early 13th century, during the old English trials, they begin using a very familiar phrase, which is an oath that we all are familiar with, and it's been used for hundreds and hundreds of years in America until very recently. Y'all know this oath. It goes like this. Put your right hand in the air and your left hand on the Bible and repeat after me. Do you swear to tell the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth so help you I guess y'all heard it then but, but I learned this week that, that this word oath this oath that we're taking it came from a Greek word today which is the word testes and the word testes simply means a witness of a third party Solomon says in Proverbs 15 and 3 that the eyes of the Lord are everywhere keeping watch on the wicked and the good. Peter says, 1 Peter 3 and 12, for the eyes of the Lord upon the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. But I'm talking about a witness of the third party. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning and say, neighbor, you can lie to me. You can lie to your family. You can lie to your friends. But there is a third party that is watching from above and he knows the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And so one man may swear he's telling the truth and the other man is swearing he's telling the truth, but there is the truth. And he knows. And his name is God. The great I am. The creator of, creator of all heaven and earth. And his eyes are roaming through the earth. And he's looking for men and women of truth. You bear the name of Christ. That means I am a truth teller. I stand on truth. I live by truth. 
I run from a lie. They're not hearing this at late point, I can promise you. Because they got a big plate they got to fill up. I'm all right with that. Psalms 14, 1 and 2. Go there. The reason this is no longer being used in the court system is because you have some oversensitive atheists who do not believe that there is a God. I asked Kristen a question yesterday. I said, when an atheist gets mad, do they tell that person to go to hell? I'm just wondering. Because if they don't believe in heaven, they don't believe in hell. So what do they say? Go to the dirt? No. They believe. They just don't know they believe. Because the Bible calls them fools. You'd have to be a fool not to believe that there is a God. The fool says in the heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There's no one who does good. And the Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of man to see if there's any who understand and any who seek God. And so this oath may be offense to the atheist, but it's not an offense to the Christian because we are truth tellers. And if we're going to stand and raise our hand, we're going to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But here's a scary thought. If they have removed it from the court system, maybe this generation won't forget it, but what about the third and the fourth generation after this? See, what we don't realize is that they have removed the fear of God out of the court system. Because if you're not fearing God, you'll say anything, and you'll lie until you die. Come on, amen. But listen to what Solomon said. This is the big mistake to remove it out. We need to bring the Bible back into the courthouse and we need to make an oath to the Lord. Solomon says it like this, Ecclesiastes 8, 11 and through 13. He says, when, a sent- when the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, people's hearts are filled with schemes to do wrong. You want an example? You saw it during 220. It only took one person to kick the wind out and run in and start grabbing TVs or whatever and running out. And once one person did it and they filmed it, they got that scheme in their head. And everywhere you look, they're kicking out windows and and they're storming and stealing from the stores. Why? No fear of God. But let me tell you, if I put my hand on the Bible and I raise my hand unto God and I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, I can promise you the fear of God will be all over me. Because I know that, I, that there, there's, a, there's someone that I will have to give an account to. I may get by man, I may get by woman or whoever on this earth. I will not get past him because every word, every single thought, everything is recorded on this earth that you have done, said, and will do. And you say, well, I'm going to get by with it. No, you will not. You will stand with me in the line and you will be completely naked from head to toe. And you will stand for your time and there's a big screen. And the moment we stand up, your life will be projected For the whole world to see. But I'm here to tell you when I stand up there, it's going to go red. It's going to be covered in the blood of the Lamb. And this is Kip Brockway. Red. Woo.
Someone say, praise the Lord. <laughs> Woo! Praise the Lord. Because I don't want my life without Jesus. I don't want to see my life what it would be like without the blood. Because without the Lamb of God, I'd have no hope. And I'd be condemned to hell for eternity. You would be lost and I would be lost. We would all be lost. Because we all have said things we shouldn't have said. And we have thought things we shouldn't have thought. And we did things we shouldn't have did. But I thank Jesus that he's able. I said he's able. And he's able. That means he can deliver you. And set you free. By his grace. We are saved. Solomon says, although a wicked man commits a hundred crimes and may live a long time, I know that it would go better for God-fearing men who are reverent before the Lord. Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them and their days will not be lengthened like a shadow. They think they got God beat. Man's days are determined and the months of his life is decreed. God knows the month, the hour, the second you will breathe your last. In the moment you breathe your last, in an instant, the angels of the Lord will sweep you through the galaxy into heaven and you'll be in the presence of the Almighty God. Have you ever saw a shooting star just go across the sky? They say, oh, it's a star that's falling. I don't believe it. Because there's no gravitational pull in heaven for it to fall. And so when you see a star shooting across the sky, I can promise you that is probably an angel of the God going from here to there. And God gave you the grace to see it. And you're in awe how beautiful it is. And you're thinking, oh, it's a falling star. Is it? I know I'll get on left field. I'm sorry. But I'm a God-fearing man. And I fear the Lord. And I'm fearful for the things I said. And I thank God for His grace. My Bible says in Matthew 10 and 28, Do not be afraid of those that can kill the body, but cannot destroy the soul. Rather be afraid of the one that can destroy both body and soul in hell. And since I'm a man of God, I'll just say it the way I feel it. You can take God out of your papers of the law. You can remove God out of your schools. You can remove God out of your house, out of your TV, out of your entire life. You can remove God from your mind, from your heart, and from your soul if you have one. But let me tell you something, neighbor. You will not remove the God that I serve because he cannot be removed. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible says in Romans 14, 11, and 12, it is written, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to God so that each of us will give an account unto ourselves, unto God. Woo! Yes. I close with this. Can I close with this? Jesus tells a little parable, Matthew 21, verse 28 through 31. He said, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first son and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said, son, he said the same thing. I will, sir. But he did not go. Jesus said, which of the two did what the father wanted? The first they answered, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Tax collectors, prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. That's some strong preaching right there now. And, and notice in the story that neither one of the sons did what they actually promised. They both lied. 
But at least one of the sons had a conscience inside of him that says, you know what? You said no, but deep inside, you know what's right to do. And you said, you know what? I made a bad choice, but I'm going to make it up because I'm going to go on out in that field and work it. You may have told God, I'm not qualified. I don't have the skills. I can't do this or I can't do that. And you said no, but later you said maybe I can. Maybe I can. I think I can. Come on, amen. And sometimes I think we actually answer before we think it through. Over the years, this is true, I have invited literally hundreds of people to come to our church. And I've had hundreds tell me, I'll be there. And so all of a sudden, my hopes get up. Hercules. I'm all happy. I'm thinking, we're going to have some visitors. Sunday morning, they didn't make it. But I also had some people say, you know, I can't make it, Pastor, but I wish I could. And all of a sudden, the door opens so they can. They show up. And so here's, what, here's my closing thought is this. I believe God just wants His people today to be as honest as we can. And if you can't do something, if you can't go to a church, if you can't participate in something, just say, no, I can't be there. Don't say yes to make them happy because you're lying. Because if you lie to make someone happy, guess what? You just open the door for condemnation to come in to vex you later. If you don't want to go to the church function, I don't want to be at Stan Red Rock concert. I'm not a headbanger. I want Leland on the front row. <laughs> if you don't want to come, just say, I, I, this ain't my thing. But don't tell somebody you will and you don't. We just have to be honest because I, I, like, I like the old school. Everybody stand with me. I like the old school. Because in the old school, when you went to a man's house, you looked him in the eye and you shook his hand, you made a vow, a covenant, and you stood with it. But the new generation, they'll shake your hand, look in your eye, and lie and stab you right in the back. Because they have no fear of God in their lives. And whose fault is it? It's our faults. Because we did not get our children into the house of God to learn the truth. Because it's the truth that sets you, it's the truth that sets you free. Jesus told him, if you really are my disciple, you'll stay with the truth and the truth will set you free. So next time you begin to think about lying to someone, you may consider because all liars will have their place in the lake of burning sulfur with the cowards, the unbelieving, the vile, the murder, and the sexual immoral. I don't want to be on that list. I'm, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm glorified. And most importantly, I'm forgiven. Woo. I thank God I'm forgiven because I know I've lied. I know that I have fallen short to the glory of God, and so have you. And I thank God for 1 John 1 and 9. If you'll confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and purify you from all unrighteousness. Woo! Man, I just wear that on my shirt. John 1 9. If, if I had a tattoo, I, I might just put that on me. I don't. I didn't do that. But if I did, that'd be one of them probably. Now, you won't know what I really would like to do, but my wife would kill me, and y'all would too. I, I, I'd put 220 right here on my head and 316 on this side, about that big. But since my wife would kill me and y'all would kill me, I guess I had to pass it up.
But that's what I'd really like to do. I mean, it, it seems cool. But I don't know what I'd do when I'm 80. Paul, what's that 220 on your head? Let's go to another subject. Let's all bow our head this morning. Everybody say, thank you, Jesus, for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. If you need prayer this morning, I'm here. I'm your pastor. You can come down here and I'll pray for you. If you need to be saved, born again, set free, because you're not sure exactly what you said and why you said it. Was your yes, yes, or was it no, no? I need to know. You need to know. And, and, and most importantly, you need to be real with the Holy Spirit because you cannot lie to Him. Father, in the name of Jesus. Today we leave with a clear conscience because right now we, we confess our wrongs before you. Go with us today. And Lord, I'm just going to speak a blessing over my brother Jeff. Lord, I bless him in the mighty name of Christ, the living God. I pray in the name of Christ that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would fall fresh on him today. And I pray, Holy Father, that you would open up doorways in his life that the enemy cannot shut. Bless him from the north, south, east, west. Help him to find that job that he desires. You said in your word that you will give us the desires of our hearts. And so we're asking you, we're reminding you of your scriptures today. You said you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Now, Lord, we ask you by the grace today, to bless this man. He's a humble man. He's my new friend. And I'm asking you from, from man to God to please help my new friend. Because Lord, I, I can only help him so much, but you can stretch out your mighty right hand right now. You say the word. You speak it, God, and mountains dissolve and fall into the ocean. I'm sorry this morning I, I, I kind of spoken a tongue I, I don't do that usually I just I'm sorry I, do, I don't even have an interpretation I know I'm unbiblically out of line but somebody else may have gotten it and if God says something through the through that tongue please let me know what I said because I have no clue and I apologize because I know I'm wrong but I get caught up in the Holy Ghost but but I usually stay in step with the spirit the best that I can hallelujah but I'm sure there was something that the Spirit said that needed to be said. And maybe this week he'll give me an interpretation and I'll bring it next week. I don't know. I'm just a silly old man. But Jesus loves you today. And remember, you're saved by the grace of God and by his grace, he will keep you for eternity. But don't put the Lord to the test by opening up your mouth. <laughs> Come on, amen. You guys have a blessed week.